What is going on, Fantasy Alarm family? Who's ready for a week two domination when it comes to fantasy football? We are the family. It's the Family Times Podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Fensty, you've got Matt Sells. You've got Ryan Hallam. Guys, how was week one for you? Are you guys freaking out if you have Zeke anywhere, Ryan? I see you sweating bullets over there, man. Just kidding. What's going on? Uh, I don't really sweat bullets after anything after week one. Uh, that's, a, I think, crazy thing to be doing. I uh, can't say I'm feeling overly confident about uh, Brandon Ayuk or some guys like that that really disappeared in week one. But uh, I really feel like it's too soon to be freaking out about anything that's not a season-ending or significant injury. Yeah, I mean, I won my uh, big money league with Zeke in my lineup getting less than five points in week one mainly. Good for you. Mainly due to um, wide receiver domination because I have Lockett and DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Brown in that league um, and Antonio Brown. Um, So, yeah, I wasn't really all that concerned. I would like more than five points a week from Zeke. But, you know, it's also the fact that it was the Buccaneers. Like, if anybody expected him to to show out against the Bucs, you haven't been paying attention to the Bucs, like, in – like a year and a half, because they've been, if not the best rush defense, probably the second best behind the Saints in that time. So, you know, expecting people to just show up and play really well against really good defenses, not really going to happen. Yeah, I hear you on that. And, you know, going into it, and Adam Ronis and I were talking about it on SiriusXM, when it came down to that matchup, you warned you with with the Zeke matchup. Sometimes they're going to go away from them. Now, they could have force-fed them, but it probably wouldn't have worked out as well because of how staunch Tampa is. So Dallas did the right thing in that regard. Now, Ryan, got to talk about your 49ers because they're constantly a story. They're as much in the freaking news and the tabloids as the Kardashians are, essentially, at this time. So with that, you mentioned Brandon Ayuk. I saw reports come out when it came to Brandon Ayuk, whether or not he'll have a role for week two. I'm seeing reports now that apparently the hamstring injury could have been the Achilles heel to the week one situation, not necessarily other reports that we've read that he's not getting the offense. Other guys are ahead of him, maybe even having an attitude problem. But a lot of people spent a lot of big money on Elijah Mitchell, I saw him go for $1,000 in one league with a $1,000 budget. I saw him go in multiple leagues for over $700, Ryan. But let's not forget that even though this guy wasn't active, it's the 49ers who play chicken with their running backs. Trey Sermon is going to be active for this matchup. So with that, Ryan, is everybody immediately going to be getting their money's worth from Mitchell or do you think they're going to be regretting spending the big penny for at least the next few weeks with him? I think coming soon is regretting spending the big penny. I, I just I can't grasp the concept of spending your entire fab budget on one player after week one and basically taking yourself out of anything but the scrap heap for the rest of the season. Uh, secondly, on a guy on a team that notoriously uses multiple running backs, Third, and a guy who had a 36-yard touchdown that any of the three of us could have run through the hole because it was it had to be five feet wide. Uh, I don't know about know. Cells. Cells <laughs> seems like more of a mathlete, not an athlete. I'm just oh, saying. I ran cross-country and track, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I, but, <laughs> Patrick Payo never told me that, Cells. <laughs> 
it was uh, it was a cupcake matchup against a bad defense. Uh, you know, so you know, I I I bid on Mitchell what I would have spent on him if he didn't have this incredible game, uh, like twenty percent. And obviously, I didn't get him anywhere, and I'm okay with that. You know, if, if for some reason I was in a league where people you know dropped the ball or, or maybe you were smart and didn't spend eighty five percent. Uh, you know, maybe I would have got him, but I was not going to spend the big, big bucks. So I, I'm sure he'll have a role. I mean, the kid looked good. He was a nice explosive runner, but like you said, Trey Sermon's going to be active this week. Uh, you know, Demichael Hasty had a touchdown. Jeff Wilson's going to return at some point. Uh, so I, I don't see Elijah Mitchell all of a sudden being the go-to guy for the 49ers all season long. Yeah, I mean, let's yeah, go also, into it was, a, it was an easy matchup, though. Like, the Lions are not good defensively at all. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I could have run 100 yards behind that that Niners offensive line and also keep in mind he got a lot of run because they were up by 28 at one point like if you didn't watch the game and you just go oh they only won by eight no they were up like what 41 17 or something at one point yeah and they just basically coasted and let the Lions almost come back and almost tie it um I don't think that's gonna happen the rest of the way and like you said Trey Sermon wasn't active so there's some carries just because Mostert went down and now you've got Elijah Mitchell having a good day Mostert wasn't being drafted as an RB1 option in the first place he was being drafted as a flex guy whoa 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 whoa, whoa. I have to interrupt you not necessarily and this is why when it came down to coverage for running backs I made sure I specified this year that if you were going to start with the zero RB theory which I think is nonsense when it comes to fantasy football strategy that I repeatedly said sells that guys like Mike Davis, guys like Raheem Mostert, you do not want to start with those guys. That's going to be very, very difficult. And you need protection there unless you're going running back after running back from that tier. So when it came down to it for Mostert, for, for instance, me on all the teams, I have Mostert and I have like three or four shares of him. I had at least two, three down running backs that I drafted in front of him to hedge and protect myself. Right, exactly. He was being drafted as an RB3 or a flex spot guy. So why are we paying for his replacement like we'd be paying for an RB1? Strong right? offensive line, I would say. Still okay, but we all saw James Robinson go off last year, right? Everybody who got him in waivers in week one definitely made a difference. Now what happened? Urban Meyer's not using James Robinson. He was on the he was on the field for like six snaps. Do you, do you think that continues though? Do you guys feel like yes, this is really going to be a crap year for James Robinson? Yeah, because Urban Meyer is an idiot. I I agree I'm with that sentiment. That. I I can't see them asking Lawrence to throw it fifty times every game. I think they're going to have to run the ball. Is he going to get twenty carries a game? Uh, I'm really worried about that right now, but. I can't see it being 55 throws and five runs. I, I can't see them. It's just, I don't think it's sustainable for the whole season. Assuming Meyer makes the rest of the season, mind you, he's already rumors he's got one foot out the door, two weeks into the season, way to go there, Jacksonville. It's got to it's got, it's even up some. Right, but here's my point, though. If, if you're throwing the ball 50 times like they did while losing to Houston in a terrible game for them, why wouldn't you put James Robinson on the field who caught passes last year? Right. He was there I don't receiving. understand that. This guy Why, can Carlos Hyde? Why is Carlos Hyde out snapping James Robinson when Carlos Hyde couldn't even catch his shoe from his own foot? 
because they have a relationship cells. They have a personal relationship. That's why Urban Meyer is an idiot and has no clue what he's doing. And you know what sucks about this whole situation? College, he doesn't know. He does not know how to coach football anymore. And what stinks about this? What stinks about this cells? Look at the matchup that Jacksonville has. Denver. That's a horrible matchup for these runners. Yeah. I mean, it's not that great for passing either, so I don't know what they're going to do. But, well, that's true. They're probably going to lose again. But, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you have to play James Robinson, right? He's your best option in the backfield. But he didn't in passing situations last year, just or last week, just like Washington's getting crap for not having Antonio Gibson on the field in key spots. Last night and Thursday night when he's your best pass-catching option out of the backfield. I mean, the guy's a former wide receiver, for gosh sake. Not so. a, not according to Riverboat Ron, I'll tell you that much. Jeez. I mean, and let's talk about that for a second here, because when it came to last night's game, first of all, from just from the NFL side, why don't teams realize that if they're trying, you want to run down the clock, I know you want to get that first down, run the freaking ball. They didn't learn their lesson with the Seahawks in the Super Bowl years ago. To just run and not throw with the interception. Bradbury was all over that. Bradbury, from the second, he knew that throw was going that way to McLaurin. He had a step immediately. Just so stupid, Hallam. Well, not only that, but throw it one of the best corners in the NFL. Like, at least go throw it like a Dory Jackson or somebody else. Don't throw it to a guy who was like, I think he was the second ranked by Pro Football Focus last year after Jair Alexander. So that was I know I know McLaurin's your best guy, and he had a really good game, but... You got other guys in the field. You can't don't be throw it all. Just or you no. know what? You know what? You just run, and if you don't get the first down, you believe in your defense, which is, is a good defense. which is supposed to be the best defense. Why do you also have stupid a, cells? You have a phenomenal punter too, who, by the way, is a team captain. Uh, that guy can cough and punt it with the best of them. So I don't know. Yeah, it was a little bit of a. I mean, it paid off in the end because they wound up winning, but like that was. That was a dicey, <laughs> dicey call. You've got a pretty good running game. You've got a pretty good uh, offensive line to run behind. So I don't know why you just try that. It's not like um, it's not like you were facing one of the top rush defenses in the league. They're only so-so. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it lived up to the Riverboat Ron moniker. But right. You know, as, as solid as the first three and a half quarters of that game were, the last half a quarter was just terrible management by both sides. I mean, the Giants played so scared that they gave Washington a chance, and Washington played so stupid that they gave New York a chance. And then at the end, you know, New York made the last bonehead play that cost them the game. Oh, also, man. The NFL Network put their own flipping people on the call. I don't need to hear flipping Buck and Aikman like multiple times a <laughs> no week. one likes fucking Aikman. Where yeah. you can hope it's ignore them. Yeah, and no, put, no like, one likes Buck and Aikman. Nobody likes Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. No, no Collinsworth is the worst. I hate Collinsworth. Have Rich Eisen in your network, and you've got a bevy of Hall of Famers that anybody would like to listen to outside of Michael Irvin. You know who I would like to listen to on every football call? Mike Tirico. Every football call. He just does his job. I don't need anything fancy. I don't need anything witty. I don't need, like, I just need someone that could do, there's a lot going on in the game of football. There's a lot going on on the field. I just need someone that can play point guard in the broadcast. 
And yeah, Mike Tarico shouldn't be on sidelines. He should be in the booth doing every single event for football. So you don't need Nickelodeon Slime Time or Peyton and Eli Manning? No, Peyton and Eli show was fantastic. That was that was fantastic. But can they really run a consistently effective type of broadcast? No. You want you want someone in there that can handle when there's confusion on the field. What's the call? Oh, it was called this. It was called that. It's like, no, Mike Tarico is freaking organized. But nobody, nobody in fantasy cares about Mike Tarico. But everybody in fantasy cares about the Green Bay Packers after that stinker in week one. Talking about the Lions before. You guys don't have any worries about Rodgers, Jones, and Adams producing, right? This is going to be one of those happy days are here again when they score a hell of a lot of points against the Lions. Yeah, I'm not concerned at all. Uh, you know, Matt brought up earlier about, you know, if it's not the Bucks' run defense, it's the Saints' run defense is among the best. So that will give you a, an idea into Aaron Jones' disaster first week on top of the fact they were getting killed basically from the start. And I just don't expect the Saints secondary to perform like that again, especially with that Marshawn Ladmore. They didn't have Bradley Roby, who was suspended last week. He's back this week. Uh, so I, I can't understand what happened to the Packers. I think this is just one where you kind of have to turn the page. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was not trying to be vindictive and come back and lose on purpose. He, his motivation is not in final jeopardy, like all these different <laughs> things that came out last week. Like I think it was just a, bad, a really bad game. And, you know, his look at his, his – his look in the press conference, you know, brought up a lot of memes. He looks like he steals catalytic converters and things like that. It was, it was a lot of it was a lot of good comedy for the week. I'll give it that. But I have zero uh, zero qualms about starting Adams, Jones, or or uh, Rogers this week. You know, on the Monday night call, they were talking about quarterbacks that did not play in the preseason at all. I think there were nine quarterbacks that did not play at all in the preseason. Only three of them got wins in the first week. Rodgers did not play in the preseason because he was too busy. Turns out he, all he wanted was more money, but made it about a whole laundry list of other stuff while he just didn't want to shave all offseason, I guess. Um, but, you know, I think they'll be fine. I think it was you had the Saints who were jacked up because they couldn't play at home because of the hurricane stuff. They were playing for their city to make people feel better about the hurricane you know, recovery. And Rodgers doesn't really do well in Florida, really. Like, if you look at his, when he plays in Florida, his stat lines aren't all that great. So, um, and again, it's the same thing. If you can bottle up the run game of Aaron Jones and you can control Devontae Adams, they have nobody else that will hurt you or do anything on offense. Not a single person and that's been the case the last four years when they've been wasting draft picks on you know an heir apparent to Rodgers who apparently still doesn't get the playbook three years into the gig and now you're gonna have to waste money to keep him on the roster because of the fifth year option you have to decide it like they're just they just don't draft very well and nobody wants to talk about it but the Packers don't draft well and if you can lock up Adams with one of the best corners in the league you can beat the Packers I just don't understand, not, you know, to piggyback on this drafting. Like, if they were going to re-sign Aaron Jones for all that money, what in the hell did they draft A.J. Dillon for? I know the NFL isn't really a one-back league anymore, but he wasn't, he wasn't like a fifth or sixth-round pick either. So, yeah, they have, they've, they've drafted the heir apparent to two guys who are still on the roster. Yeah, they've extended. 
now because they also extended Rodgers like a year technically, I guess, sort of, but not really. I don't know. But I I don't have any problems with them going forward. Now, if they suck against the Lions at Ooh. home on Monday night, yeah, we can start to freak out some. But, um, you know, and those of you who drafted Kenny Galladay, he might be frustrated already. Oh, my God. He was pissed at something. He was pissed at Daniel Jones last night. Yeah, he was yelling at Daniel Jones on that sideline. And and they were like, no, he wasn't yelling at me. Bull crap. He was. He's pissed. He wants the ball. Yeah. I mean, you signed him to get the ball, and then you're throwing bombs to Slayton. Like, oh, Slayton dropping passes. Sterling (laughs) Shepard dropping passes. It's clear that Daniel Jones loves Sterling Shepard. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, he's led the team in targets the first two games of the season. He also has literally a leg up on most of the other team because a lot of the guys are hurt. Yeah, he's also I, I, the, like, the longest tenured giant on the roster now, apparently. It's six years. Wow. That's what Joe Buck said. The only good thing Joe Buck said all night was that Sterling Shepard is the longest tenured giant. Amazing. Okay. And that amazing. Just yikes. Let's talk about this game because I'm very interested in how these offenses are going to perform. And that's the... Vegas Steelers game. What were your guys' thoughts of Najee Harris? Because I'm listening to fantasy sports radio and reading our content all day long and trying to get the pulse of the people, what they want to talk about. And I've seen a lot of undervalued Najee Harris trades already from the overreaction that week one brings. What are your thoughts on the Steelers offense, especially with what you saw from Najee Harris, Alan? I think I think you're going to see better things ahead. Uh, you know, again, it wasn't a great matchup against Buffalo to start the season, uh, but I think the important thing to look at was he was basically on the field for every single snap. Uh, so that is, you know, he has no threat to his job. Uh, it was his first game, you know, as a pro. It wasn't a good matchup, so I think he'll be fine going forward. Is he going to be worthy of people who drafted him ninth or tenth overall? Maybe not, but I still think uh, he's going to get the volume. He's going to get every opportunity to be the man. Uh, and this will be a, a little bit of an easier game for him than week one was. Yeah. Oh, gee, a rookie running back in a new offense against one of the better defenses in the league on the road, and we're complaining about him struggling. Really? Like, I know he was a first-round pick, and I know— That's why, pick. because the casual fantasy player is like, I drafted this guy in the first round. Oh, he should be getting me 20 points in a PPR. Yeah, but you're drafting a rookie in the first round. You got to give the guy a break. A, you shouldn't have drafted him in the first round. You should have taken him in the second. Uh, but also, the Bills shut down the run game, no matter who it was. And it's not like the Steelers really ran it all that much for the second half of the season. So it's all new to them too, by the way, because they haven't had a run game in like ten weeks, going back to last year. So, um, and by the way, it's not like Big Ben really helped them out that much in getting people off the line because I think he attempted two passes of more than 20 yards in that game. So they were all 15-yard or shorter pass plays, even though you've got Claypool and um, Smith-Schuster and, you know, some other ones. That you got to have a deep passing game to help the running game because you never get the safeties out of the box if all you're doing is throwing 10 to 15-yard routes. By the way, as somebody that's an investor in other Steelers receivers not named Deontay Johnson, until I see a confirmed note that Deontay Johnson is out for the game, anytime he gets hurt and stuff like that, that's going to mean nothing to me because he always comes back to the game. 
It's yep. it's almost like I see this and I'm like, okay, oh, he looks like he's on the ground. He's not even moving. Oh, good. He'll be back in about five plays. <laughs> this is, I'm not playing this game again, guys, because then all of a sudden it's, uh-oh, as someone who has Smith-Schuster, I'm never rooting for an injury, but could be an opportunity here. And then Deontay Johnson comes back and he gets the touchdown. This is rinse and repeat from last year, guys. I don't know if you recognize that consistency. Maybe only Bob Lung and I did. I am Mr. Deontay Johnson. I don't care if he has some drops. I don't care if he misses part of the game. He is one of the most targeted receivers in the NFL, no, no matter on his team, on a pass-first offense. Uh, I, I'll take it. I have him on so many teams, and I will take it. I'm sorry if he frustrates you, but I think he's uh, – Oh, no, I, 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 I'm – I have no problem taking him. I'm just saying that normally when you see a player go go down and stuff, they're they're either out with their questionable return. I'm just saying Deontay Johnson always comes back. So yeah, if guys. he ever gets hurt, I need to see he's out for the game in order to start thinking, okay, who's going to be picking up the slack here? Because he always comes back. Sells. Yeah, somebody's going to take his helmet, lock it away, and throw away the key for me to trust that he's not coming back in the game. Because even if he goes into that mythical blue tent, he's still coming back <laughs> out. So – um, but I will say, I know that victory laps aren't necessarily something we take after week one, but the Miko Hardman one, telling people yeah. going all the way back to my Homer piece, which I think was like the third Homer piece that came out in the draft guide for FA. I told people not to take McCall Hardman guy does not get targets. He won't get targets. The Andy Reid offense is not designed for a third target share. It's designed for two dudes and a decent running game. Guess who the two dudes are? Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And the decent running game is going to get split between CEH and Daryl Williams. Like, not going to... Miko Hardman wasn't even on the field for like half the plays. So anybody that thought, hey, I'll be sneaky and go Miko Hardman, no. Sorry, not going to work. The guy might get 700 yards this year. Might. Talk, talking to a lot of people that went in on Hardman, their thought process was, well, with the... Def the opposing defense, they're going to be so focused on the other guys that Hardman, and to me, it was just like, I feel like we, we've we had that thought before going into this season. And what's different about this year as opposed to other years? And that's why he didn't excite me too much. Where everybody was taking me, Cole Hardman, one of my most vested players that I have, and I'll say this because I've had a lot of stinkers from the last couple of weeks, Sterling Shepard, I was drafting around there. Just yeah, thinking that the opportunity will be there. The only place I can even take Hardman and his ADP was too high to even think about it was best ball because there will be a few weeks this, this year where he's going to catch a long touchdown and have four catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, uh, which would be good. Finding out when those are is impossible. And I'm with you hundred percent, Matt, like he's, he had the same number of targets as Demarcus Robinson who really sucks. Like there's, there's, it's, they don't spread it around in Kansas City. I'm sorry. I know they put up a lot of points. I know Mahomes puts up a lot of stats. But somehow, the very vast majority of it goes to two people. And then it gets spread around, you know, little little bits here and little bits there. But none of it's fantasy relevant. So unless Hardman gets behind the defense or somehow he breaks a tackle, which almost never happens and takes one to the house, you're getting three, four points from him. Yeah, and all of those people going, but Sammy Watkins left. Okay, Sammy Watkins yeah. Hasn't been fantasy relevant even in Kansas City except for a six-game stretch he had to start the year two years ago, right? Like, even when Sammy Watkins was on the roster, he was still third in targets behind Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It wasn't even close. He never cracked 
90 targets, let alone the only time he cracked 80 targets was when he had a heck of a start to the year because Tyreek Hill missed four games because he had that suspension or whatever the heck it was. Tyreek Hill missed a couple of games to start the year a couple of years ago. That's the only time Sammy Watkins was ever had a target share relevant enough to be fantasy dependent. So, yes. Mr. Yeah, One-Week it, Wonder. It's like trying to pin down when Deshaun Jackson would go off after the three years that were good in Philly. Also a one-week wonder. Always went off in week one. Yeah, and then never did anything the rest of the, except for when he returned to punt against the Giants. That hey, man, the other he, time. you're bringing me back in the day with Deshaun Jackson. That's why I always used to draft Jeremy Macklin instead. Oh. So, <laughs> guys, let's get to our fan family table. I can talk about former players. I go back and check my old teams from 2010 and 2006. It's a fun game. If you, I remember when Dwayne Bowe was a wide receiver. Dwayne Bowe. Wow. Look at that. about a guy who never got targets in Kansas city. Did he have tight end eligibility one year? Dwayne Bowe? Might have, I been. Might, have, might have been on Yahoo considering what they did with Taysom yeah. Hill. I guess they give it to anybody. Last year. Joe Webb one time had wide receiver quarterback eligibility. That's right. I remember that. For, for championship one. week. For championship week. And that was crazy. Family table, guys. I'm going to start out. And for those that haven't listened to the Family Times podcast, this is what we do. It's kind of like what you and your friends would do. We just talk fantasy football. And we – discuss the matchups and we discuss some of the stories. So again, for those that are new with us for fantasy football, welcome and get the help you need from the DFS wagering and from the seasonal fantasy football aspect as well. And guys, I am very proud to start off with this right here. And that's Saquon Barkley. You guys started them last night. It's your fault. You've had multiple people part of the site. You've had me say it a thousand times. During the stock watch on the site, during radio shows, you're starting Saquon Barkley in week two at your own risk. There is nothing that could have convinced me to start him. It was one of those situations there. If he managed to go off, then you know what? I shrugged my shoulders and I said, I thought I made the logical decision. And I know that some of you lost Mostert and might have Saquon and were forced to do it. But if you had the chance to bench this guy, yes, he had a 41-yard run. That's great. But he didn't really look good outside of that. He wasn't really moving well. And he had a horrible matchup. So if you're wondering, man, Saquon, he's a bust. No, you're the bust if you started him. It was too risky and a horrible matchup. And I could give a lot of forgiveness. But this was one I feel like we all had pegged. And that's why if you started him, you had to expect that you were going to get crap for fantasy. Yeah, not it's only did why we... I, I wasn't on him in draft season because he was coming off an ACL. It's the second major injury in two or three years. The Giants have to see what they have in Daniel Jones, so he's got to pass more. Well, actually, last night he ran a lot because he almost had 100 yards rushing. Um, yeah, it's just like the risk was there from the get-go. I don't understand why people ignore the risk, draft the guy, and then complain about the risk that they knew was there. Right. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, not only was there, you know, all of us were saying it. I mean, there was a, a report last night or the day before, like, 
unlikely to be unleashed in week two. Like if the team is going out there and saying it, like I, I know there's coach speak sometimes, but they usually talk the guy up, not down. Uh, so I mean, they're talking the guy down. I think you can usually believe it, but we have been uh, hearing about a limitation since the beginning of August for this guy. Yeah, we have been literally hearing that you guys who drafted Saquon Barkley were drafting him, hoping that he gets his act together for the later in the season. And when you make your playoff run, you got a big gun and you're armed and ready to go. So, but, and, and if and you're going to come to hit 57 yards, 4.4 yards per carry, the median goes up when you have a 41 freaking yard run. Okay. So that's why don't get deceived. You shouldn't have started him unless you absolutely had to. You couldn't get anything else on the waiver wire. You lost Mostert and you had to start him. That's one thing. If you actively started him over some of the other guys going beyond him, even someone like a Javante Williams off the top of my head, I still wouldn't have done that. I know the talent's there, but I'll end it with this, guys. Until I get some kind of confirmation that he's 100% and I don't have him anywhere, I'm not thinking of this guy when it comes to a ranking. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Sells, yeah. what are you bringing to the table? I mean, he had five carries for 46 yards in the first half, one of which was a 41-yarder. So the other four went for a total of five yards. <laughs> and we also knew coming into the season, they said he wasn't going to be ready until at least week four. Then everybody got excited when he made the 53-man roster and wasn't on the pup list. Didn't change anything. Just meant they wanted him there for the possibility of game planning a little bit with him. In the first few weeks. So um, what I'm bringing to the table is please stop asking start sick questions on Tuesday. You know how many people in Discord and on Twitter and everywhere that people ask questions start asking start sick questions on Tuesday? I mean, I get it if you have like 90% of your lineup on Thursday night football, but you can wait till Thursday. We don't know practice reports. We don't know accurate weather. We don't know injuries or game plan information. We have barely started doing game flow research and matchup you know, research because we're still getting over, you know, Monday Night Football just ended. And in this case, it went to overtime, which means it ended technically Tuesday morning on the East Coast. So, like, start sick questions need to be asked. If you have a guy on Thursday, ask about that matchup on Thursday, the rest of it. Don't ask until at least Friday afternoon. Okay? It makes zero sense to be... Now, if you have waiver questions, understandable. you got to get in your waiver claims. I get it. That much I get. But don't be going, should I start this guy or this guy or this guy for a Monday night game a week before we know anything? The Monday night teams haven't even practiced yet. Their practice reports don't come out till Wednesday at the earliest. So... You know, I, I know you want to be ahead of it, and I know everybody's excited to have football back and everything, but over-preparing for football is not how you win it. You win it by paying attention and making your moves late in the week when you can take advantage of the late-breaking injury and the late-breaking practice stuff and change in weather. Because let's say we tell you this matchup is going to be great. Like, for example, Seattle-Tennessee. Perfect example of this this weekend. Right? They're playing in Seattle. It's fall in Seattle. That means it rains a lot in Seattle. It doesn't get cold enough to snow. That's why it rains all the time. Okay? If it's a rain game, Chris Carson and Derrick Henry become much more playable than they are right now when it should be a passing game. 
We should see a lot of yards go to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and, heck, even Eskridge and Carson in the passing game and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. If it rains, we're going to downgrade those guys and upgrade Henry and Carson. So please don't ask start sick questions on a Tuesday. doesn't make any sense. Yep, and by the way, for those that listen to Alarm After Hours on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, midnight Eastern all week long as part of the Alarm family, and I mentioned this before, we on the radio will not take next week's start sick questions on Monday and Tuesday. We start Wednesday, but I've said this, if I see trades on that dial ahead of start sits, I'm going to prioritize and take the trades first. Trades, waivers, that's the theme of Tuesday. So, Cells, I'm with you. I know everybody wants to get ahead of the game, but you're right. We, ha- we need to see these guys practice. And for the first few days of the week, you'll see a lot of people just missing practice just for the hell of it. Yeah, for so, example, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. this week, if you had asked me to start him on Tuesday, I would have said yes because it's a yep. good matchup against the Bengals. What happened Wednesday? Ruled out for the week. Yep. Oh, your start sit was ruined the next day. Maybe and it's your fault, Sells. You told me wrong. Man, some football I expert. Too. I have him on a roster. He's my wide receiver. You're the five. worst football expert in the world, Sells. Instead, I'm going to go to Ryan Hallam. Ryan, Stick give me something. Stick to NASCAR, Sells. Stick to NASCAR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please. Uh, I always Just talk never... about Dale Earnhardt Jr., Sells. <laughs> All right, I never all right. have anything. I never have anything all that interesting to say for this. But I will say for those of you who listen regularly, uh, I had a dog last week that we were fostering, and I'm happy to report that she has got a new home. She's going home with a new family tomorrow, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, so the show Survivors back on Wednesday before we record again. I'm very happy about that. I know me and Tensi are, are going to uh, be big into that one, and just I don't know, man. I just enjoy hanging out and talking sports with you guys. It's a great time, guys, and it really is a lot of action going on on the site. And as always, you mentioned the Discord that you can ask your start sick questions when? Not on Tuesday for the next week. So remember that. FantasyAlarm.com, WagerAlarm.com, DFSAlarm.com, all equals domination.com. For Matt Sells, for Ryan Hallam, I'm Justin Fensterman. The family is out. The meeting has ended. We'll be back next week. But for now, let's all dominate together and let's put our picks in and get ready to win like a family should.